You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, JJ Leahy. Welcome back. How you doing? So, it's a little crazy over here. I'm currently fighting with my cat. Um, it's it's Wednesday morning. I'm supposed to record this uh, on Tuesday nights, and that was the plan. And I started to do that uh, last night, and it didn't work out. So, a little backstory. Uh, mo- many of you know that my wife is pregnant, and um, and so because of that, she can't sleep very well. <clears throat> so last night, I'm I'm trying to uh, get get going on the podcast, and she uh, I can tell that she's still like up and about, and she's a teacher, so she has to get up super early in the morning. Like, she's got to be at work at 7. We live 15 minutes away from work, which, you know, for me, (laughs) that means I'd be waking up at 6.30 to roll out of bed, brush my teeth, throw on some deodorant, and um, grab the uh, shirt and pants that I, I, I'll be honest, I was about to say that I laid out the night before. I really don't need to do that. Just the shirt and pants that are available at the top of my drawer. Um... And that's it. I'm, I'm good to go. As long as I don't stink and I'm wearing clean clothes, I'm ready for work. Uh, but my wife, you know, is a woman. And so she actually cares about things like her appearance, which, you know, is a big part of why I was attracted to her. Um, honestly, because she's good looking. Um, and she actually cares about how she looks. But that's fantastic. <laughs> so, so she gets up at five. Because she needs an hour and a half to get ready. And then on her way to work, she has to stop at Starbucks and, uh, you know, get whatever she gets. And so that's how, you know, she has to uh, get up at, at 5 to get to work at 7. So I'm, I'm kind of vaguely aware that she's still up and about and it's like almost 10 o'clock. And I'm like, ooh, we're getting into that territory where she might oversleep tomorrow. So I go check it out and, and see what's going on. And she's she just has like a lot on her mind. And I know that when she has a lot on her mind, the only solution is she has to like talk it through. Otherwise, she's going to lay awake for hours thinking about this. So I'm like, eh, you know, I, I don't want you to do that. I'll sit here and, and go ahead, hash out the stuff that's on your brain. And she's talking and it's all like, you know plans for I mean genuinely she's talking about plans for July and August and I'm like I as a dude I can't relate to that being at the top of my mind in you know on on March 29th (laughs) I, I just don't care about August but you know my job is to help her get this stuff off her mind and not uh you know 
try and tell her what months she should be thinking about. However, by the time she's done talking about everything, I'm tired. I'm ready for bed. <laughs> so, so she passes out and she's all happy because she got all this stuff off her head. And I'm just like, well, I'm already laying in bed because I've been listening to you talk and I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> so I set my alarm for, uh, you know, earlier in the morning, get up and, uh, yeah, I'm going to do the podcast then. One little issue, there's a snow day, <laughs> so my wife doesn't have to go to work. So now I have the issue of I can't lock the cat out of my office because she's going to go paw at the bedroom door and meow at my wife until she wakes up because that's just how much cats suck. And I'm like, you know, wife was up late, needs to sleep, so I'm going to take the cat with me and... The cat wants attention. So I put, like, I, I grab, found the cat's bed and put it on my desk. I got a big desk, so there's, like, room off to the side that I'm not using. So the cat's bed is right there, and but the problem is she keeps getting up and coming over to say hi. So so I'm in the, this, like, battle of wills with the cat because I'm not going to give her attention when I'm trying to work. She, like, keeps standing up, and every time she stands up, she's going to walk over and see me. So when she stands up... I just put my hand up in front of her, and she lays back down. So we've been doing this for like six minutes. Like every 20, 25 seconds, she stands up because she wants to come over and get pets. And I put my hand in her face because I'm like, I know you really well, and I know that if I give you some pets, that's not going to satisfy you, and you're just going to want more pets. And then you're going to get all wound up, and you definitely won't leave me alone while I'm trying to record. So I'm doing all this, and then I see that uh, Ryan's episode went up, and I look at the title, and it, it it says grading Packers mock drafts or something. And my, my jaw just kind of dropped. I'm like, you son of a gun. Because <laughs> I tweeted yesterday, hey, drop your mock drafts below. I'm going to grade them on the pod. I'm going to pick my favorite one and grade it on the pod. So I'm like all right, I have to actually listen to his podcast and see what the heck he's doing and see if I need to like change my content for today because I'm not going to put out another <laughs> another podcast of the same thing. And um, so yeah, I'm like fast forward. I think, okay, when does he talk about the Packers mock drafts? Like here's all this stuff about, I don't know, whatever the soccer event is that they're doing at Lambeau and all this. I'm like, come on, just get to <laughs> – I just need to know if you talked about my topic – so I can start recording. <laughs> and, uh, all right, so <clears throat> this is how my morning's going. So it looks like he's just doing, like, uh, you know, uh, expert, uh, me media member expert mock draft. So I think I'm safe. So what we're going to do, <laughs> I actually have two topics I want to talk about because the, uh, the the grading the mock draft thing is, like, a, kind of a secondary smaller thing. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that first and get that out of the way. Um, because I have a, a bigger topic that I want to hit on um, that dovetails really well with this. However, I see that we are seven and a half minutes in. And that is really close to where I'm kind of in range to go ahead and take our first ad break. So, this makes perfect sense. I'm going to split the show up into thirds. Because I got a little thing that uh, that we can talk about for a minute or two here. And that is, I had... Um, 
had some questions come in yesterday about players that the Packers have shown interest in. So, so this started because uh, a guy named Christian Williams, um, who's like a uh, largely just a fantasy football analyst on Twitter, good dude. Um, he's host of uh, what's the name of his podcast? The Cut, I think. It's a good show. Um, that so he was talking to me about George Pickens and Sky Moore. He wanted to know why I don't have Sky Moore very high on my big board. Which is a fair question. Sky Moore was the highest graded uh, wide receiver via PFF um, of this entire draft class last year. Had some great stats, no, no question about it. And my answer was that, well, he plays at Western Michigan, which is a Mac school. And he's like ridiculously short. I think he's five ten. Where's my big board? Uh, Sky Moore is yeah. He's five foot ten. Now he's a little bit heavy for five ten. He's one ninety five. Actually, ouch! I'm five ten and I'm I weigh more than one ninety five. <laughs> I just called him heavy. But come on, for a for a football player, he's for a five foot ten football player. One ninety five means he's got some muscle. All right, so. Maybe you're looking a little more at the Amari Rogers type where he's like, uh, you know, got some some meat to him and uh, and the height is less of a concern for the injuries. His RAS is uh, just a seven, four, eight. And, you know, not that that's bad, but it just it doesn't jump out at me. If I'm looking at his other stats, uh, his contested catch rate is 61.5 which is quite high actually if i'm looking at guys who have a higher rate than that um chris olave is 62.5 drake london is 67.9 and malachi carter who you maybe haven't even heard of he's uh from georgia tech he had a 62.5 so one one percent higher so that's a stat that jumps out that's pretty pretty good. Um, and then his other good stat, he he was targeted a lot. Let's see who was targeted more than him. Uh, David Bell, John Dotson, John Mechie. John Mechie surprises me. And Calvin Austin. Oh, and Jalen Tolbert. Those guys all had more targets than Sky Moore did. Uh Drake London had two more than him, but the the usage was really heavy, and I do like that. First down receptions, where's Sky Moore? Uh, 58. So he actually, it's a four-way tie for the number of first, it's a four-way tie for first place. How's that? For first down receptions. Um, Sorry, for second place, I forgot about David Bell, because uh, he has 60. But 58, Skymore has 58, Jahan Dotson has 58, uh, Khalil Shakur has 58, and Jalen Tolbert has 58. So uh, here's here's the thing that um, that does jump off the paper that does make Skymore stand out. He's got a 91.8 overall PFF grade, which is not just first place. It's first place by a pretty significant margin. Actually, David Bell is in second place. Um, 
No, sorry. Uh, I, for, I keep forgetting about Drake London. <laughs> Drake London is is really making the case to be wide receiver one. He's at 91.3. So you got Sky Moore at 91.8. Uh, Drake London at 91.3. But then after that, it's David Bell at 87.5. And that's, you know, that's not nothing. That's a that's a decent gap. Uh, Jahan Dotson. Is that Jahan Dotson? Yeah, Jahan Dotson is also tied at 87.8. And actually, interesting, if you if you look at a lot of the guys who kind of are consensus really high um, uh, as far as the wide receiver ranking, some of these guys have kind of surprisingly lower grades. Like, so George Pickens was a 73.5. Now, granted, he, like, barely played at all in 2021, so you'd have to look at his uh, 2020 grade. Chris Olave had a 71, 79.3. Sorry, which is, you know, it's not bad. Like 80 is still really good. But 79 versus, uh, you know, 92 is a pretty big gap. Uh, looks like uh, Ty Freifogel was one of the worst ones at 64.8. But so, you know, the question was, why isn't Sky Moore higher on your list? And I was kind of quick to point out that I just don't think that they're that interested in five foot ten receivers who play in the Mac. The competition is terrible. The size is terrible. Not that they wouldn't take him, but I don't think that they would take him where other teams are likely to take him. I.e., you know, back of the second round. I just think that there's a, a ton of other players they would be more interested in taking at the back of the second round. So, um, but then... Credit to uh, to Christian, he didn't point this out, and I had to point this out for myself. I kind of hypocritically have Calvin Austin much higher than Skymore, and Calvin Austin played in the American at Memphis, which is you know not the tiniest school in the world, but he's five foot eight, and I kind of hadn't, I just hadn't noticed that he was only five foot eight, which is kind of embarrassing because I have watched him play, and I think he looks fantastic. His his RAS, unlike um, Sky Morris, is actually quite good. It's a nine four two, and uh, a lot of his numbers are substantially better than a lot of guys. Um, where you'd be taking a guy like Sky Moore, uh, he also had an eighty four point seven grade, so that's that's uh, not real concerning. Um, but that size, that five foot eight, I I kind of feel like maybe I need to just bump him way down the list because I'm not sure that the Packers would even like if you're talking about a guy who's 5'11 or six foot like that's kind of shorter than what the Packers typically go for and there, you know there's questions about would they actually take Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson if they're available because of the small size but you're talking about Calvin Austin five foot eight is a I mean that is a totally different I mean that's so drastic I actually I'm gonna stop this and I need to look this up and make sure that it's not a typo on my board. Calvin Austin height. Please tell me I'm wrong. Nope, he's five foot eight. That's that's terrible. Uh, looks like uh, the Memphis website lists him as five foot nine. Two four seven Sports says that he was only five foot six when he committed, which doesn't really mean anything. I, mean, I think a lot of people grew, um, you know, after uh, age seventeen, but. Uh, Pro Football Network has him at five seven and three eighths. So <laughs> I can't just bump him up to five nine because 
the Memphis website says he's five nine. I mean, the uh, Ohio State website says that uh, Chris Olave is like one hundred ninety eight pounds, which is not true. Anyways, so but uh, but Christian's point was that because he brought up that he had heard that the Packers were really interested in Sky Moore, not something I had heard. So I'm following up with him, and he said that. Granted, it was a while ago that he'd heard this, and he couldn't remember who had told him, but that the Packers had been spotted talking to Sky Moore at the Combine twice. Interesting. So, that begs the question, well, who else were they talking to? You know, and I don't have a list of who were they talking to twice, per se, but I do have who they were talking to at the Combine, and the answer is everybody. They were talking to everybody, and um, Christian's point was, hey, this was also pre-Devonta Adams trade when they didn't really know they needed a number one wide receiver, so maybe they were just kind of looking more for a number two at that point, and maybe Sky Moore ticks a little more of the boxes for a wide receiver two. And I don't know how much I buy that because the um, you know, Gutekunst kind of said a couple days ago that They've known for a while that they were going to be trading Devontae, and they kind of just needed the, um, you know, they, they just needed to carry his uh, franchise tag over into the new league year when you could trade him. But they kind of knew they were not going to get to an agreement with him. And I'm looking at the receivers they were really interested in and, and spending a lot of time with at the Combine. They talked for a really long time to Jameson Williams, Chris Olave, and George Pickens. Um, I, I didn't find anything about Garrett Wilson or Traylon Burks, but that doesn't mean anything. But they did talk for a long time to Jamison Williams. Uh, he seemed like kind of one of their top targets, which or, or or at least just somebody they were really interested in getting more information from. How about that? I guess I don't know that uh, spending a lot of time with him indicates a lot of interest. It might just mean a lot of questions. So that's... It's possible that they just needed the most information about him rel- relative to some of the other uh, players that day. All right, we are far enough along. I'm going to go ahead and take that ad break that I promised. And then I'm going to grade some mock drafts. Stay tuned. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Thank you to everybody who submitted mock drafts on Twitter. I had a lot of fun going through these. Um, and the interesting thing is I've seen mock drafts from some friends and listeners before who then posted new ones in this thread. And I was kind of interested to see that I didn't like their new ones as much as I had liked some of their old ones. But, you know, whatever. Um, there's a ton of consensus here. <laughs> I mean, there's like there's like three guys total who are getting taken at pick 22. And that's like it. I'm going to start with Dan Finch. Um, I don't know if I should use your last name, but you use it on Twitter. Whatever. It's, it's Dan Finch. <laughs> There's too many Dans, so um, now you know, Dan, that it's you. So at pick 22, he has us taking Bernard Raymond out of uh, CMU, which is where my brother goes to school, and I keep asking myself if I should task my brother with going to find Bernard and do an interview with him, and then... It dawns on me that my brother has a life and I should not pester him for stuff like that. <laughs> like, hey, hi, hey, Bernard, uh, you don't know me, uh, but uh, my brother has a podcast. So and I don't I'm not really into football, but here's a list of questions that he asked me to ask you. So would you mind? <laughs> How do you feel about the Green Bay Packers? Uh, my beef with Bernard Raymond is his age. He's 25 years old. I just, I think that takes him off the Packers board because I mean, you're, you should be like basically ready for your second contract around age 25. How old is Rashawn Gary? Uh, and uh, Kenny Clark, let's see. Rashawn Gary is 24. So we drafted Rashawn Gary in 2019 and Bernard Raymond is already older than, um, than uh, Rashawn Gary is now. Kenny Clark, I know he's older than 25, but he's like 27 or something. He is uh, 26. So we drafted Kenny Clark in, I think, 2016, right? Yeah, 2016 is when we drafted Kenny Clark. Wow, Kenny Clark is younger than I am. That's crazy. And um, and he is just one year older than Bernard Raymond. I think this. I'm, we already gave Kenny Clark his second contract. I think I'm out on Bernard Raymond, but I like the position. Um, so he drafted this on on uh, PFF's mock draft simulator and got an A plus grade. And I think that A plus for the position is and for Bernard's talent. There, you know, there's a lot of question about him playing at CMU. I I get it, but you know, when I watch him, I, I think that he he looks like he really is as good as advertised. I think everybody who grades him highly does so with the understanding that he's from CMU. But the age, I think I'm completely out on. I mean, the, the Packers are trying to get as close to 20 years old as possible. Now, with his second first-round pick, he's got them taking George Pickens. I like George Pickens a lot. George Pickens is my wide receiver three. One thing I would maybe... Well, okay. I like that they're taking tackle and wide receiver with the first two picks because I think those are our big, our, our two highest needs. Um, I think they should take a safety. They should take an edge. Um, I would like to take a swing at tight end. You know, we lost uh, Jay Sternberger, but 
I'm going to like the drafts where we're taking multiple swings at offensive line and at least one early swing at offensive line because I think that is maybe our biggest need slightly ahead of wide receiver. I think they're both really important. But I just, I just think that I think that if the draft goes poorly for you for wide receiver, like you can't grab the guys you actually want, you can find guys who can play wide receiver. Offensive line is a little bit different. It's it's a little bit more premium to me to where it's hard to find bodies who can come in and fill and and do an adequate job um, by my expectations. So uh, I I like that he's got an early swing at tackle. I, I don't like the player himself. But and then George Pickens, obviously you have the injury concerns, but I think that Pickens is one of those guys who really could come in right away and be an instant impact. You know, if you're if you care about fantasy football, I think that Pickens is the kind of guy who could come in and you know be fantasy relevant in year one. And if you are just care about actual football, he has the physical tools and is a good enough route runner with fantastic body control. I think that he can be your number one target for Aaron Rodgers and, and uh, do a fine job. With these uh, two second round picks, he's taking Nick Benito and Christian Watson. I'm not a Christian Watson believer, um, but I can't deny the athleticism, the upside that he's got there back of the second round. I think I wouldn't really complain about it. Um, I just, my, my beef with him is, the competition he played against, he's played against FCS schools. And I just, if if you're playing against FCS schools, I want you to be embarrassing the competition. And I don't feel like he's doing that, that if he was, if he looked this way against an sec schedule, I'd be all over him because a lot of those SEC players are going to be in the NFL. These FCS dudes are, you know, a, a step above high school. And he just kind of looks above average against them. You know, the, the everybody keeps trying to make uh, Calvin Johnson comparisons with Christian Watson. And I think that's ridiculous because I'm telling you, <laughs> Calvin Johnson made NFL players, NFL pr- pr- premium uh, or premier NFL defenders look silly, routinely. Christian Watson just looks a bit better than the defenders he's playing against, and he's playing against FC, FC, FCS um, defenders. I just, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm probably too low on him because I'm like fighting against the consensus that he is that great, and I, I know the, the. Number one argument against that is, well, he also looked good at the Senior Bowl. That is true. That is true. But the Senior Bowl is like 95% of the reason why I have him as high as, you know, not hating it if you took him at the back of the second round. That's not where I'd take him. I would take him with the, you know, in in the third round or maybe even the fourth round. A lot of people keep saying, yeah, but he's like an upgrade over MBS. Yeah, an MVS was a fifth-round pick. You wouldn't take MVS in the second round. If you knew exactly who MVS was going to be, you knew his upside, you wouldn't take him in the second round. You'd still take him in, like, the fourth round. MVS caught a deep ball, like, twice a month, and that was his contribution to the team. 
He just had way too many games where he just completely disappeared. And I kind of have some of those same concerns about Christian Watson. I don't think that he's a fantastic route runner. I don't think that he always creates the separation that he could. And a lot of the times when he does, it's just him outrunning these FCS defenders. And I'm like, (laughs) good luck with that in the NFL where you're going up against corners who can run faster than you can. And you're going to get corners with with a, you know, four, two, five speed or wherever. Good luck trying to just outrun them. You can't, you know, being physically more dominant mostly only works uh, at, at the lower levels. And, uh, you know, it, it, I mean, even even in in like SEC, Big Ten football, whatever, you'll you'll find guys who just are faster than everybody. And if you aren't also a skilled route runner and good with your feet, have good body control and all that. You're you're not going to stand out at all in the NFL where everybody was that player who ran faster and is bigger, taller, stronger than the competition. And my beef with Christian Watson is, uh, you know, when he when I'm trying to look for those characteristics that would separate him in the NFL. All right. The ability to, um, you know, uh, run a good route that, that gets him wide open. I don't really see that. I see him just leading on his blazing fast speed. I got a lot more that I could say about Christian Watson. And I, I actually just deleted a big chunk of it because I realized how long I was taking on it. And I have like a ton more mock drafts to get through. <laughs> but Christian Watson at the back of the second round, I don't hate it. Because if the Packers take pick him there, then they don't share the same concerns that I do. Um, but that's not where I would take take him. But but I don't hate taking a second high wide receiver swing because you know you you do want to hit on at least one guy, hopefully two guys that can contribute this year through free agency through the draft, as well as just developing guys for the future. But you want. Uh, you, you do you do need some dudes to hit this year, and so the more swings you take at it, obviously the better odds you have of, of hitting. Uh, with his third round pick, he's taking Isaiah Likely. I like Isaiah Likely. I, uh, he's actually one of the first uh, players I I had ever talked about on this podcast in this draft uh, from Coastal Carolina. So already, you know, we're we are five picks in, and there's three picks from really small schools. The other two guys, George Pickens, is from Georgia. And Nick Benito's from Oklahoma. I think I skipped over Nick Benito entirely. I like Nick Benito. He's a good edge rusher. But Ryan has already talked about him a ton on the pod, so I don't feel the need to go super in-depth on him. Uh, Isaiah likely. uh, Coastal Carolina's schedule is not horrific. So um, so I I feel better about him and the competition he's gone up against. Plus, I, I I do like his game. Isaiah likely is, is uh, I think he's my tight end two. Yeah, tight end two. Uh, definitely like Isaiah likely. Now you got three pass catching options here for Aaron Rodgers in the first three rounds. And I don't hate it. I think if you did more than that, you're way overboard. But the fact that you got um, two wide receivers and a tight end, you're diversifying a bit here. I like that. I think that you're hitting multiple needs. So after that, he takes guard uh, Lasidus Smith out of Virginia Tech. Um, definitely like Lasidus. Uh, then he's got Atito Agbania, uh, 
interior defensive lineman out of UCLA. Takes another swing at wide receiver in Kevin Austin from Notre Dame. So that is pick 171 in the fifth round. And I like that. So Kevin Austin, uh, for me on my board, I have him pretty early. Uh, Kevin Austin is my wide receiver 12. The consensus pick for him is 204. Uh, but I think he's going to go considerably earlier than 204. So we're taking him here at, uh, what did I say, 171. I wouldn't be surprised if he's already gone by 171. But Kevin Austin, I think, is a, a really under, underrated player. And since there's questions about Christian Watson and George Pickens, uh, you know, Pickens, you got the injury. Watson, you got, you know, how good actually is he? I like that you're taking this this third swing here at Kevin Austin. That's a, a later round pick, so you're not investing so much capital in in the position, but you're giving yourself an extra lottery ticket. Then he takes cornerback Jalen Watson. Now we're in the seventh round here, um, and at this point, I think a, a cornerback in the seventh round is largely going to be a special teams player, which kind of dovetails with his second seventh round pick punter Matt Areza, San Diego State. And uh, we wrap up with linebacker Jeremiah Gamble out of North Carolina. Those three guys would all be special teams players. Plus, uh, I think uh, Kevin Austin would be expected to um, be a special teamer if he does not immediately carve carve out a role for himself on offense in uh, in the preseason. So I do like bolstering... um, bolstering the special teams here. Now we did do that last year and, and didn't have the results we wanted. <clears throat> Gutekunst basically, you know, admitted that uh, Isaiah McDuffie and Kylan Hill were largely drafted to be special teamers. And uh, Kylan Hill obviously getting hurt early in the year, I think affected that. And then Isaiah McDuffie was okay. He, he contributed decently well. So I like the special teams um, contributions here. Big Mac has our next mock draft, and he has us taking Traylon Burks and David Ojabo with our first two picks. And it looks like he traded back. Yeah, he did, because he took David Ojabo at 36. So he traded, took our pick 28 <clears throat> and traded back. Looks like he got us a, uh, a really early third-round pick and... What else? I'm not sure what else he got out of that. Uh, maybe a fifth round pick. Looks like he got a, a fifth round pick. Okay. So we're already seeing some familiar names here. George Pickens with uh, the same pick that um, that Dan took in the other one, the first second round pick. Then we got linebacker Chad Muma out of Wyoming. I think Chad is a decent player. I think this. Um, I, I think it'd be nice to add. A second linebacker, you know, I like Chris Barnes, but um, putting a second guy next to Devondre would be nice. Then he has us taking Daniel Fayalele, um with our early third round pick, offensive tackle out of Minnesota. A lot of people have big red flags around Fayalele. I I like what he did, and Minnesota played a good schedule. I think he's fine. Uh, I think this is um, around where you would want to take him in the draft. I wouldn't want to take him much earlier. But I like Fayalele, and his next pick is Ed Ingram, offensive guard out of LSU. Ingram and Fayalele are two decently early swings at offensive line that I think really could bolster 
bolster that depth. You're you're taking you're taking two chances at it, and it gives you some flexibility because Felele can play inside. He has the size to do that. So you, I, I think, I think you would for sure end up with at least one starting guard between those two, uh, maybe two starting guards, which would be nice. Um, and it, and it gives you some flexibility. You can definitely kick Elton out to right tackle full time when he gets back. Uh, Fele Lea also has the experience that you could put him at right tackle temporarily and not feel horrible about it. And then also when Elton comes back, then you feel like, all right, we're not like wasting Fayalele's career by <laughs> keeping him inside where he might genuinely be a slightly better fit um, in the NFL. Jelani Woods tight end is the next pick here. That's actually my tight end one. And uh, so we're at pick 133. And that's kind of indicative to me. Um, well, not indicative. It's just uh, it, it's it's exemplative of how I view this tight end class, which is that there's um, some pretty, pretty good tight ends here in this class that are all really comparable to each other. Like if you, if you miss out on tight end one, two, three, I still think you got three other guys that, <clears throat> that are, you know, you, you take as like your consolation prize and you don't feel bad about it at all. And I think the first tight end is going to go off the board relatively late. So every time I do a mock draft, I get really tempted to take an early swing at tight end. And every time I do, I regret it because like two, three rounds later, there's still tight ends available that I would have been okay with as my tight end. And I'm like, well, there's no edges left, no offensive linemen, no wide receivers that I like. <clears throat> so I definitely want to wait on tight end. And I think pick 133, which is a fourth round pick, I think that's fine. You you go ahead and take a fourth round uh, swing it at the tight end that you view as the best in the class. I'm fine with it. Uh, then he took another tight end, Cole Turner out of Nevada, and that's actually not a guy I've watched. So I'm going to have to go ahead and watch uh, Cole Turner. That's an interesting one. So back-to-back -back tight end picks. I don't know that we need two tight ends because I like uh, Josiah, and then we do have Bob Tunney coming back. Plus, you know, Mercedes exists. I say he exists because I don't know for sure if he's going to be on the team this year because he might retire. I don't think he will, but we'll see. Uh, and then with his two, he's only got two seventh round picks, it looks like. Or am I missing a screenshot? Um, yeah, I was missing a screenshot. So here's, he's got four seventh round picks, actually. <clears throat> One of these was via trade. Um, so he's got uh, offensive tackle Logan Bruss, who that's kind of an interesting one, taking a seventh round swing at a tackle. I don't think that you're expecting him to play tackle at that point. But maybe blocking on special teams would be a fantastic role for him. That would be nice because um, our, um, our our punt blocking and kick blocking unit was horrific last year. So if you're drafting a guy with, with that in mind, that's not a bad move at all. Johnny Johnson, the second wide receiver out of Oregon, is the next pick. And Luke Wattenberg, center out of Washington. I like Luke Wattenberg a lot. I'm a little surprised he's there in the seventh round. Um, just because I, I think I typically see him going in like the sixth round. Uh, but if he's there in the seventh, I think that's a guy you take a swing at. Cause we don't have a backup center. Really? We got Jake Hansen and Michael Manet, and I don't feel good about putting either one of those guys out there, but you bring in Luke and just add some depth there to compete for backup center. I think 
that kind of strategy has worked out for the Packers more often than it hasn't. And then he finishes with wide receiver Tanner Connor out of Idaho State, who I've never heard of. <clears throat> now, at this point, we're going to be going through some of these a lot quicker because you're going to notice a bunch of the same players every single time um, because I'm about to add uh, Chris Olave. And once Chris Olave is on the board here, you kind of have heard of everybody. So I'm actually going to do, we got uh, the Packers without borders duo, two guys that we love to death. We got Matt and Bruce and they both submitted their mock drafts. So I'm going to spend a minute and pit these two guys against each other because that's always a good time. So Matt just did a three round draft, which is fine. And the screenshot I have here from Bruce looks like it went a lot further and just gets cut off. So, but that's fine. We're only going to compare the first three rounds anyways, because otherwise Bruce just wins by default because he has more picks. So Matt took Chris Olave with his first pick. Jahan Dotson with his second pick in the first round. And then he took a break from wide receiver for one second and took Abraham Lucas out of Washington state. um, Who's actually a guy I do not like. And then he took wide receiver Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama. So three out of his first four picks are all wide receiver. You can tell exactly where his priorities lie. And his third round pick, he wraps it up with guard Dylan Parham out of Memphis, which uh, Memphis is, uh, they're not a power five school. They're in, um, what is it, the American? We were just talking about Memphis a little bit ago. So that's interesting. Um, Definitely wide receiver heavy. But he's taking swings at offensive line, so I can't really complain because those are, I think, the, the two biggest needs. And when you look at how few bodies we have at both positions, I don't hate taking all these um, swipes at, at just those two. It's it's more wide receiver heavy than I would be, and um, and I don't like the tackle he picked. But the strategy overall is not um, it's not the worst thing in the world. Bruce took Jamison Williams at 16, which I think might be accurate. That seems to be kind of where my gut is going for the Packers. I don't like it because I'm not a big Jamison Williams believer. But then he follows that up by taking Drake London, who I think I mentioned. He's my wide receiver two, but I keep flirting with making him wide receiver one. So I already, you know, Go ahead, take your swing at Jamison Williams. Hopefully he pans out. But if he doesn't, you took the guy at 28, who I probably would think you would have needed to take around 16 to get. And his good value at 16. Uh, he follows up with David Ajabo. Now, David Ajabo, I think, is a, a decent player. I think that he is definitely like a complimentary edge two. Um, David Ajabo has really good technique, but I don't like uh his body i don't like the the athleticism he brings to the table like the 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 summary i would give of him is i think that he kind of is like tapping out at his ceiling because his his technique is really good and his uh his physical traits just kind of aren't really there so i think he's kind of maximizing out what he can do so you kind of know who he is that's the nice thing the downside in addition to that, I think I kind of view him as like uh, the number two to Rashawn, which is fine because we have Rashawn and Preston. But the downside is he tore his Achilles, and so he's probably not going to be much of a contributor in year one. But he's a second-round pick, 
So it is what it is. So then he's got Nicholas Petit Frere, and that's a, a kind of a funny one because David Ajabo beat the pants off Nicholas Petit Frere <laughs> uh, in college. Um, and I, NPF in round three, I think, is probably okay value because it is such a premium position at offensive tackle, and he can play left tackle. He can be an NFL left tackle. I just, to me, NPF Billy Turner is it a lot. Like he's great, like really good against a lot of competition. And then when you go up against like the top end talent, he kind of like his world just kind of gets rocked a bit. And then he's kind of terrible all day long. He did that multiple times in 2021 and it was frustrating to watch. But I think in the third round, third or fourth round, I think that's um, kind of exactly where he should go. So I'm not mad about that pick. If you're taking him in like round two, then I have some concerns. But Bruce is taking him here in round three. Um, and if you're doing three or four, I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, let's see Jelani Woods. We already talked about, and, uh, it looks like his next pick is Zion McCollum, who I think is a corner, but it's cut off. I just want to make sure. Cause there's a couple of Zions in this draft. Zion McCollum. Yeah. He's a cornerback out of uh, Texas. So I like that, um, that these drafts clearly have some similar priorities in mind. They both took multiple early swings at wide receiver. They both addressed offensive tackle. You can tell that they co-host the same podcast because they get along. <laughs> uh, I think I'm, I'm going to give the edge to Bruce. I like Bruce's draft a little bit better. I don't hate Matt's draft. Um, I definitely like Chris Olave. I like Jahan Dotson. Uh, I just think after the first round, uh, Bruce's has a little bit more meat to it for me. Uh, than Matt's, but uh, definitely both similar. But uh, I, I promise I put them against each other, so I'm giving the victory to Bruce. And we, do, I do have to pick an overall victor because it was a contest. Like we had like uh, forty some submissions, so I do have to award a victor. So I wish I had more time because I would love to run through a bunch more of these and. You know, if, if you if you guys liked hearing this and you want to just hear me do like I, I I can just record and upload another audio file of me going through a bunch of these other mock drafts. If you're enjoying this, I have no idea if you like this. If you do, reach out to me on Twitter. Let me know and I'll I'll see what I can do for you. Maybe I can put that on Patreon. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and pick my winner. As I'm reading through every single one on here. It's kind of funny, like Chris Olave and Jamison Williams are almost everyone's first pick. And if it's not, then they go Devontae Wyatt, who I really like, interior guy out of interior defensive lineman out of Georgia. And um, but usually most of these mock drafts feature two wide receivers in the first three picks. And. You see, you see just a lot of the same names, a lot of Traylon Burks. There's also a lot of Zion Johnsons. And if you do Zion Johnson, I immediately really like your draft uh, because I really like Zion Johnson. But I think my winner is going to be Joe W. Um, and he even acknowledges in his comment, he said, this isn't the best mock draft in terms of it being like who we all want ideally. But if you look at special teams and uh, the fact that he he takes a linebacker in here to complement um, Devondre Campbell, he takes a couple swings at offensive line here. 
it's just different. And that's one of the things I like about it. There's definitely some stuff that makes it stand out. So his first overall pick, he's taking Jermaine Johnson. Now, I don't know that Jermaine Johnson is going to be there <clears throat> at pick 22. And for that reason, you know, maybe we dig this a little bit for, for you know, reality. But if Jermaine Johnson is there at 22, I don't care what wide receivers are available. I'm taking Jermaine Johnson. He's one of the best edge, ru- edge rushers uh, in the country. This guy is just a, a just an animal. I'm taking him if he's there. And then, remember I told you this is an interesting one. It's different. Then he trades back out of pick 28, which I love. I think that the Packers are probably going to trade up out of 22 because 22 is like close but within swinging range of some of the really premier talent. And then from like pick 20 through like pick 40, it's kind of this crappy no man's land, honestly. Just not a lot of players in between 20 and 40 that I like. So I'd like to trade up from 22 to like maybe pick 17 somewhere in there and grab one of the last really, really good guys. And then I don't, I just don't care about the uh, 22 through like 38 range. I think is really what it is 22 through, through 38 is just d- devoid of guys that really get me excited. I'd rather trade back and get some more picks that you can do some damage with. And that's exactly what he did. So he traded um, our second first round pick and our second, second round pick to the Jaguars and got back their early second round pick, 33. So they moved from 28 back to 33. You're moving back five spots. And I think five spots at 28 is like nothing because there's, again, there's not players that I'm really excited about there. Um, we got a third round pick, a second, third round pick, and a fourth round pick. So you got four picks in total out of that. And with those, he selects George Pickens. At 33, Christian Watson at 53. So those are two guys we've already talked about. Then he takes Daniel Fayalele in round three. I talked about him already. All right, so you you are um, addressing wide receiver. You're addressing tackle. Um, you you got the steal of the century in Jermaine Johnson, who I don't think should be there at 22. But if you do, and he was in Joe's mock draft, you take him, and, and you don't think twice about it. So I like that decision. Then... In the third round, he takes linebacker Brandon Smith from Penn State. Penn State had a crazy good defense, um, and, and their linebackers were a big part of their success. I like Brandon Smith. I think he's a good player. Nick Cross out of Maryland is a safety. Now, this is an interesting one for me. So it's still a third-round pick. Like We're already one, two, three, four, five, six. This is our sixth pick of the draft, and we're only in the third round. And I like that. Let's look at where Nick Cross is on my board. Uh, because I've watched a lot of safety and I have a lot of opinions about him. See, Nick Cross actually was pretty low for me on my board. He was my, uh, he was like uh, roughly the tenth safety off the board for me. Um, but he has a real high athleticism. He's a nine point nine one RAS. Um, his defensive grade was uh, not not. Awesome. It was a 67.7. He was largely a run defender, um, but he did have 16 missed tackles. So I'm not crazy about what he he did there, but I I like the position. I don't necessarily love the pick itself, 
but I like the position. I like taking a safety here. And I think if, if I were doing that, there's other safeties who are would still be available at this point, kind of a lot of safeties who I would take with that pick. And I, I think I probably still would stick with that position. Um, and there's just there's other safeties who are kind of uh, viewed as being about as valuable as Nick Cross, but I think are a lot better. So I'm not really going to ding him for that one. Then he takes uh, Haskell Garrett, uh, defensive lineman out of Ohio State. And I think Haskell Garrett is one of the better Ohio State players in this draft. I'm not in love with the uh, Ohio State draft class this year outside of their receivers. Haskell Garrett is probably the third best guy that they have behind Olave and um, and uh, Garrett Wilson. Haskell Garrett is like uh, he, he's still growing and developing and it's just kind of time for him to also get paid while he does it. <laughs> um, but he uh, some of the things I really like about him uh, high leadership skill. He, he definitely was like the face of that defense. Um, real, real tough guy, really stout against the run. Um, there was a couple games. Let me see. What was it? Michigan state was a game, you know, Kenneth Walker is like viewed as a consensus top three running back in this draft. And a lot of people have him as their number one. He couldn't do anything against Haskell Garrett. Haskell Garrett was the only person shutting down, um, I already forgot the guy's name, Kenneth Murray that day. Uh, no, not Kenneth Murray. That's the linebacker for the Chargers. Kenneth Walker. Um, <laughs> Haskell was the he was the single force that just met Kenneth Murray, Kenneth Walker, every single time and drove him back. Man, we cannot we cannot draft Kenneth Walker because I'll never remember his name if we do that. So I like Haskell Garrett, particularly in the fourth round. I think that's a, that's a great place to get him. I think if you took him in the third round, I'd still be okay with it. But the fourth is fantastic value. Then you got to tackle Zach Tom out of Wake Forest. Wake Forest was, by Wake Forest standards, they were stupid good this year. Then uh, he takes a swing at tight end. Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin. Uh, edge rusher Carson Wells out of Colorado. Tackled Dara Rosenthal out of Kentucky and tight end Austin Allen out of Nebraska. Those last three picks are all seventh round picks. And I think you clearly, again, are doing this with special teams in mind. You're getting a, an offensive lineman that you can, you know, yes, he provides some depth for your offensive line. But with your your blocking unit for special teams um, provides Definitely an able body there. And I think Dara Rosenthal would be fine there. Um, Edge rusher and tight end. Those two guys definitely are going to be special teams contributors. So I just like this draft because it's so well-rounded and it kind of hits everything. Um, So I appreciate that about Joe W. I like like the trade back to get some more picks. Um, And then, again, you know, taking best player available with pick 22. I love it. I love uh, that you got Jermaine Johnson there. And I think, again, I think if it's like you're at the 17th pick or so and Jermaine Johnson is there, I think the Packers are trading up to try and get him. I really do. I think he's I think he's that good that they're they're saying, all right, he shouldn't be here at 17. Let's trade up and, and try and get him. So I think that's probably what the Packers would do. Joe didn't do that, and as a result, he didn't have to give up all that extra draft capital. So I love it. Congratulations, Joe. Um, Appreciate everybody who submitted these. And, again, if you want to hear me break down more of these, shoot me a message. 
If there's enough support for it, I will uh, record something for you guys. Okay, second ad break right now, and I'll be right back. So what we're going to be talking about, this is my, this is my big uh, topic for today. We're already an hour in, but that's fine. You know what? If you don't like it, you can shut it off. I'm having fun doing this, and, and we're going to do it. We're going to talk about positional value in the draft. We're going to talk about uh, where I think our big draft needs are, which we did cover a bit in our previous discussion, so maybe it won't take too much time to do that. But we're also going to talk about who do the Packers not need that we think they do need? <clears throat> All right. How I'm going to do this is we're going to look at the 2020 draft class. Because they're entering their third season here. And uh, my kind of rule of thumb is that you don't demand contributions out of your draft picks in the first two seasons. All right. So, your first season is just figure out where the bathroom is, learn the playbook, don't uh, you know commit horrific penalties on special teams, please. <laughs> Year two is on the coaches. Year three, I think, is on the player, and and it's it's kind of when I expect you to start making your contributions. Um, and, and a lot of the time, if you look at your draft class from three years ago, that's kind of when they kind of start taking over as some leaders of the team. So you look at last year kind of was the big breakout season for Rashawn Gary, which I called, you know, two years ahead of time and said, I, I think 2021 is going to be when Rashawn Gary really steps up and takes ownership um, and, and becomes the face of the defense. <clears throat> so I, I want to look at like our perceived needs and contrast that with the guys that were taken in, 2019, 2020, and also a bit in 2021, but we're going to really focus on 2020. And I did this last year and I concluded that I really felt like we did have a big need at wide receiver last year because I wanted to start grooming Devontae's replacement. I didn't think Devontae was going to be back for 2022. Now, toward the end of like the season, um, you know, and all your emotions are flowing and you hear what Devontae is saying, you hear what Gutekunst is saying, um, you definitely start changing your mind uh, in, in the short term and thinking, no, man, I, I think he really is back. But um, one year ago, I did not think Devontae would be here. Uh, and I wanted to take a swing last year at wide receiver to try and start grooming a guy to replace Devontae. Have a, a year two guy out there. It's a little bit earlier even than I would have preferred, but uh, it, it felt like a pretty urgent need to me there. I also thought that tight end was a need. And then since then, we lost Jay Sternberger. <laughs> so that's an interesting one. Um, I had taken linebacker off, off my board. I didn't think it was necessary because at that point we had Kamal Martin, who was a fifth round pick who looked really good his uh, uh, second season in the league. Second? No. First, his rookie season, Kamal Martin looked really good. Um, and then in his second season, he got cut. So now we're in the third season of his draft class. And um, he's he's gone. So he, you can't ask him to be your breakout player. 
Uh, Jay Sternberger is gone. And so you have Josiah DeGuara that you would expect that this would be the year that he breaks out. And I think it is. I think this is the year he breaks out. But you also have a bit of a lack of bodies in that room. Like I said, you got Tunyon. But Tunyon is coming off an ACL tear. I don't know. I think my expectation for him is that he's going to come back in about October. That's my expectation. Uh, we'll see what actually happens. But also, he was pretty bad last year. And he's never been, he's never graded out well. Uh, he had in 2020, obviously, he had a ridiculously high um, catch rate and, and touchdown rate to um, his, his, his targets. That was not something that that anybody who you know looks at fantasy football or or was uh, looking at our tight end group in particular was expecting him to sustain. But Josiah Deguara, I think, I think might emerge as our tight end one this year. But but again, the thing with Deguara is that he's he's a uh, you know he, he's not your your Y tight end. He's your F. He's a, a an H back. His major role is going to be in blocking and, you know, doing uh, uh, pre-snap movement and, um, uh, you know, short crossing routes, that kind of thing. He's not going to be your big dynamic tight end that uh, Tunyon has been kind of expected to fill. That's why an early swing at tight end in like round two or three does make some sense if you're getting a guy like Isaiah Likely or Charlie, Charlie Kohler or Jeremy Ruckert. That makes a lot of sense. You get somebody who can catch and can go be that uh, that big end zone threat. That'd be nice to grab. Uh, let's see. AJ Dillon was our second pick. Obviously, we took Jordan Love in the first. I don't think that actually. Okay, quarterback is kind of an inter- interesting one because I think that trading away Jordan Love this year or next year, probably next year, makes a lot of sense. And then you want to go ahead and take another swing at, at quarterback. Anybody out there who thinks that Kurt Bankert can your, can be your backup quarterback. I just, I disagree very strongly. I think that you are way overvaluing who Kurt Banker is. Um, if, uh, if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt and Kurt Banker is the guy you're throwing out there, you are, you're not winning that game. Sorry. Love Kurt as a dude. And you need a guy of his caliber on the team for your practice squad, for your, your scout team, all that. It's super important, but he's not going to win you games. Um, so the, the, the Packers are going to draft another quarterback, I think probably soon-ish. And you kind of need to just get, get to your, a point where you're okay with that because they're going to do it. A.J. Dillon already broke out. Uh, in his second season, that was super fun. Um, so we don't have to talk about that, but we do have to talk about replacing Aaron Jones. Now we got Kylan Hill on the roster and I think Kylan Hill might just be the answer. I don't know that you have to take a running back, but I would like, I would still like to put another body in that room who is a draft pick. I'd like to do that. And there are Every year, there are some really good depth running backs. And admittedly, running back is uh, one of the few positions I have not touched at all in my scouting. So I've got like my top three running backs, and then I haven't touched the later guys even a tiny bit. So I can't speak yet to which specific running backs I like. Um, then you got uh, Josiah DeGuara. Uh, we already talked about that. We need, I think we need to add a tight end uh, to replace Jace Sternberger. 
and Mercedes Lewis. I think this has to be his last season. If he doesn't retire now, he's he is retiring next year. I, I believe that. Um, Kamal Martin is gone, linebacker. So then you got um, they took three swings of offensive line. John Runyon was their first sixth round pick, and he was our starting left guard last year, and he was fine. But um, but I I, I do. Definitely view offensive line as our biggest need. I think uh, uh, we need a right tackle. If your plan is Elton Jenkins, I don't think that he's going to be there until the middle of the year at best. And when he does come back, I would like to put him inside because when you come back from an ACL tear, you're not yourself right away. An ACL tear really is a two-year recovery. So I would like to put him inside where it's less um, physically demanding and it's it's not as important of a position where um, a a sixty percent Elton Jenkins can still be sufficient on the inside, and I don't know that he's going to be himself on the outside yet. I should say on the outside of the line, not not like inside outside of Elton Jenkins. Like he, you know, he looks fine, but inside he's broken. That's not what I mean. <laughs> then we took Jake Hansen, who I would say even for a sixth round pick has been a pretty major disappointment. He's been cut by the team. I think more times than he's ever played a snap in a, a, an actual game for him. He's been cut like three times and keeps getting re-signed by the Packers. He has basically lived on their practice squad. Even for a sixth round pick, that's bad. Um, I do definitely think they need a backup center behind Josh Myers. No question about it. In my mind, we lost Lucas Patrick. He was the guy that that you would feel comfortable having him fill in um, if something happened to Myers. There's nobody right now. There's Jake Hansen, and that's it. There's, I mean, it's Michael Manet, but he was a seventh round, I think, undrafted. Free, no, he was a seventh round pick um, for the uh, Cardinals last year. But I mean, he he didn't even make it out of like training camp on their roster. Still, then they took Simon Stepniak, and he has retired from football. Don't know if it was um, health issues or mental health issues, but he's he's done. He's no longer in the league. Um, and he wasn't cut. He was still on the roster. Packers liked him, but he retired. Um, he just decided he couldn't do it anymore. Safety Vernon Scott. See, this lines up so well. I'm, I'm telling you, even though your seventh round is like your special teamers, I'm just telling you, the guys that we took in uh, in, in 2020 – this is the year that they need to either step up or we need to have um, somebody else come in and do their job, either in free agency or really early in the draft. And I think safety is a massive, massive, massive need for the Packers. The Packers are giving no indication at all that they have any intention of giving Adrian Amos another contract. Why do I say that? Last year, when they were desperate for cap space because they couldn't touch Aaron Rodgers' contract, they restructured Adrian, even though you could have freed up more money by just extending him. And he seemed like a prime candidate for um, extending. Then this year, all right, this is the last year of his contract. They restructured him again, added, uh, added the void years, pushed out more money. You don't do that if you're bringing the guy back. That's not how it works. I... <sighs> I want to keep him, but I don't think the Packers are going to. And when I look at uh, when I look at his grades, he's regressing slightly every year. He's getting a little tiny bit worse. 
and you look at his age, I think the Packers are just trusting their process and saying, I'm sorry, we don't give out a third contract to somebody who's not a future Hall of Famer. Love you, Adrian, but we're going to let somebody else give you your final big paycheck and let you run out right off into the sunset somewhere else because we think you're about to fall off. I think that's what they're doing. I don't like it, but this this is an interesting... You know, they did the same thing with with uh, Brian Balaga. They did it with Corey Lindsley. Obviously, both those guys, um, you know, still had some juice left in the tank when they left. Corey Lindsley, I think, was a was he an All Pro this year? I think he was. Um, Corey Lindsley had still had a fantastic year, but they just they don't hand out those third contracts. So, um, and then edge rusher Jonathan Garvin. Jonathan Garvin, I think, has overperformed where he was drafted. I think that he's uh, has contributed more like a an early sixth round pick as opposed to the very back of the end of the seventh round. Um, he has played some quality snaps for us. Um, I think at times you're a little frustrated that he just doesn't have quite the physical gifts that you really want, but he does okay with it. And um, I, and I think. Unless the Packers bring in another edge rusher, Jonathan Garvin is going to be expected to play a huge number of snaps this year. Because right now, he's our edge three. Um, so again, edge, I think, is another position where you you either need Garvin to have shown you some stuff that makes you feel like, no, he can step up and be our three. Um, or you need to bring somebody in at edge. Uh, was Zadarius gone? I don't know if Whitney Merciless is back. I would guess he's probably not back, but we'll see. I'd like to bring him back, but but who knows? Uh, but you really just got two edge rushers. You got Rashawn and Preston, and you need more than two because they can't both be on the field all the time, and you need two guys on the field at all time. So uh, you need a third guy. You need a fourth guy. I think Jonathan Garvin is fine as like your fourth guy, but they need to bring somebody else in. So um, using this... You know, the goal is, okay, so what are the needs that we perceive that this 2020 class is actually going to come in and kind of negate a bit, all right? Like, you know, you need a running back. Well, but you have A.J. Dillon, and he actually steps up and is that guy, except he did it last year. If if he hadn't broken out last year and this was his breakout year, that'd be like the prime example of you're saying, well, you know, all we have is Aaron Jones, and I mean, you got you got AJ Dillon, but he hasn't done anything yet. Well, then this is his breakout year. All right, so you understand that. So I think the biggest candidate for that is Josiah DeGuara, and then your second biggest candidate for that is John Runyon. He was fine last year, um, but if he kind of takes a step and really just locks down that left guard position to where you don't feel the need to replace him at all, and you only have to replace or add depth to just your right tackle or right guard spot. All of a sudden, you're in a much better position because you got three out of your five um, starting offensive line positions that you feel okay about in David Bakhtiari, John Runyon, and um, and then uh, Josh Myers. So if those three guys can be as good as you think they are, all of a sudden you don't have that need for the other uh, for uh, the other two spots because you got some guys that you can kind of rotate through and find some starters out of. So that would be fantastic if Runyon plays to the level where you just, you don't even question it. He just, he is a starter there. And I don't think that's where he is right now, but I think he's close. So if he takes that leap, that's fantastic. And then Jake Hansen, 
my personal opinion is he just doesn't have it. But if he did, and he can be a backup center that you have confidence in, that is massive because, um, and, and, and maybe that is where the Packers feel because they did let Lucas Patrick go. Um, so maybe Jake Hansen and John running together do provide those two needs to where you don't feel like you have to address them in the draft or free agency. And that'd be massive. And I think a lot of the time when you look at some of the Packers moves, they'll move on from a guy like Lucas Patrick. And you're like, Oh my gosh, like we have this, this need. And all you got there is just this bum from three years ago. Hasn't done anything. Well, and then, but the Packers just have confidence in the guy that, you know, we've seen how he's developing and we really feel like year three is when he's going to break out. I'm just saying it's happened enough years in a row now where I kind of don't question it a ton. So, but again, for Jake Hansen, I just don't think he has it. Uh, same with uh, Vernon Scott. I He's a seventh round pick. He's He's been fine when he's out there, but he's he can't be one of your uh, two starting safeties. And with the questions about, you know, the quality of Darnell Savage, who I think is actually a lot better than uh, a lot of uh, fans and uh, like the junior media give him credit for. Like there's a lot of talk about like, well, you know, this might be uh, Savage's last year because he's been a little bit, you know, disappointing. Give me a break. Darnell Savage is going to be back. Whether you take his fifth year option or you try and come to, um, you know, instead of that, just just give him an extension. I, I think that's probably what you do is you give him an extension. Um, give him give him a new contract so you're not paying out the out the wazoo for his fifth year, and you're instead just giving him what you actually think he's worth, but you're giving him multiple years. I think he probably would take that. Um, if he has a down year in uh, again in uh, 2022, but you also have to factor in that we have a new safeties coach. So I think the Packers are, um expecting more out of their safeties than they got last year. And uh, Adrian and Darnell both had um, not their best years last year. I think that uh, the Packers, I think Matt LaFleur wanted to give a little more attention um, specifically focused on the safety group instead of just having them, you know, be uh, split duties um, for Jerry Gray with the cornerbacks. So we'll see. But um, so out of all these needs, I think that, guard and uh, and backup offensive lineman is a little bit lessened because of the expected contributions of the 2020 class. Uh, same with tight end, but then linebacker, I think maybe is increased a little bit. And there is the whole factor of them bringing in uh, Devondre Campbell. And then um, also out of that 2020 class that we didn't talk about, you did have Chris Barnes. He was an undrafted guy, but that is his year. And he has certainly outperformed, you know, his undrafted status. Can he continue to just be your linebacker too? Yeah, he can. And, and I think that's why it's important to include him with the rest of that draft class because um, just because he they didn't use a draft pick on him, he is still from that group of rookies. And you look at his contributions in you know in in the the three years he's been here. Um. I, that that is clearly worth con, uh, considering him in that math when you are trying to figure out the future of your linebacker position. All that to say, positional value. What do I rank as the positions that are premium enough that you take them with your early picks? Well, 
wide receiver, I think we all say is is definitely a a top position of need for them. That if there is an elite wide receiver who is uh, you know he's there like four picks ahead of you, and you kind of expected him to already go by that point. Do you trade up for him? Yes, you do. Especially if if you look at the guys behind him, there is a gap in your analysis between. Um, your grading of this guy and then the other guys who would be available if this guy does get taken before you. Um, edge rusher, I think, is always a premium position. Uh, and even when you have Rashawn and Preston, I, I, I still think if there is a really good edge rusher available and a uh, so-so wide receiver available, you take the edge rusher because it is a premium position just like yeah, I'm putting wide receiver and edge rusher in, in, the, in the same tier. I have, uh, really, I have kind of three tiers. And the first tier has edge, tackle, safety, wide receiver, and also quarterback. <laughs> You're going to hate me for that, but I'm just telling you, it, it is such a premium position. It's so valuable. And you're saying, yeah, we have Jordan Love. Okay, well, we don't know that we've seen anything from Jordan Love yet. And Aaron Rodgers might be retiring in two years. His contract leaves that door wide open that he could do that. And I don't care if you personally want to wait until Rodgers is gone to try and find his replacement. I'm not doing that. If a quarterback that you believe in, and I think this is a pretty terrible quarterback class, but that's my analysis. I don't know what Brian Gutekind's analysis is. If Brian Gutekind and his staff, if there is a quarterback like, say, Matt Corral, who is kind of falling and he's there at 22 and they felt that he was going to be gone in the first like 10 picks and he's the guy that they actually believe in. I'm sorry, you're going to hate it, but I think they're going to take him (laughs) because it is such a valuable position. And when you're looking at your roster and saying, we're not really sure that we like what Jordan Love offers and Aaron Rodgers is openly contemplating retirement and his contract certainly leaves room for him to be gone after just two years. I'm not passing up. I mean, you have to think about this in reverse order. Okay. Think about some quarterbacks of the past. All right. Let's say that uh, Lamar Jackson is available at the back of the first round. Would you take a swing on him? Knowing now what he became, would you draft him? It definitely depends on your, um, perception of Lamar Jackson, but a lot of people think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I think he's, I think he's uh, decent. Would I take him at the back of the first round? I would take him at the back of the first round. If nothing else, you can turn that into something in the future. If nothing else, you have an option. Let's say that Aaron Rodgers suffers a horrific injury and he's done for forever. <laughs> You're just boned. You're not bone if you have another quarterback that you have invested in because you have an aging quarterback who does get hurt pretty frequently, is playing behind a not fantastic offensive line. What about Pat Mahomes? He fell. He fell uh, pretty late in the draft compared to, like, if you were to go back and do a redraft, he goes number one overall. How mad would you be if the Packers had drafted Patrick Mahomes in that year. I mean, you got Aaron freaking Rodgers, who has had four quality years of football since Patrick Mahomes became a starter. Are you mad that you also have Patrick Mahomes on the, on the roster? 
I'm not saying that a guy like Matt, Matt Corral is Pat Mahomes, but my point is you can't just dismiss this out of pocket because you don't have a super high grade on a quarterback. And if the Packers do take a guy, especially given that they have Jordan Love on the roster right now, you know that they really believe in that guy. So I'm putting quarterback as a, as a premium position here because is it one of our top needs? No, I don't think it's one of our top needs. But it's such an important position that if the right guy is there that the Packers believe in, I do think they're going to take him. In my second tier... This is uh this is guys that I I think I think these are definitely big positions of need. But I don't feel desperate to sink an early pick into it. So you've got defensive line. Um we have Kenny Clark, we have Dean Lowry, TJ Slayton, we brought in Jerron Reed. I think you're okay. But would I like to add a body to that room? Of course I would. I'm just putting it in a different tier than edge, wide receiver, tackle, uh, safety, where I would say, "Mm, I don't know that we have as many guys in there as we actually need for this season. I think we have to make additions. So defensive line, interior defensive lineman is in that tier. I also have tight end there. And again, I, I talked about tight end a lot in this episode. It's important, and I would like to add bodies, but we also we do have guys there. I think you can make it work. It's just maybe not 100% ideal. Then you have the positions where I'm going to be a little bit annoyed if we take them early. But it's going to pique my interest because I think it's such a devalued position for me in this draft. That if you took a guy here, that means you really believe that he's special. So if you're taking one of these positions... In the first, like, three rounds, that means that you think this guy is out of this world talented. I'm going to be excited for him because of that, not because of the position he plays. And so that really is just three positions. That is uh, long, um, long snapper, linebacker, <laughs> linebacker, running back, and cornerback. I'm not going to be mad if we take one of these positions, but I don't really want to be sinking early picks into them because we have so many other needs elsewhere running back again. You got Kylan Hill. You got AJ Dillon. I think that's enough moving forward because, because I really believe this is Aaron Jones's last year with the team linebacker. Again, would I, would I like to add a guy to that room to uh, bump Chris Barnes down the depth chart and have somebody next to to, to Devondre? Yes. If they took like Nicobe Dean or whatever, it'd be exciting because he is clearly such a, a freak athlete um, it looks so good in college, had all his production. Um, but you're only taking him if you believe that that person is just an exceptional, special football player. And you're taking him in spite of his position, not because of it. And then cornerback, look, we got Jair, Stokes, and Rasul. Do we need to add more bodies to that room? Yes. You need uh, somebody who can um, be your slot corner, and maybe that's Jair, I, I don't know. You need more bodies in there because you need to roll into the season with um, six or seven or eight cornerbacks on the roster. And I don't necessarily love all of our guys. And, you know, we're we're, we're basically doing a one-for-one swap of Rasul with Chandon, and those two guys have very different um, jobs. And you're maybe losing Kevin King, and, or, you know, maybe you want to upgrade from Kevin King. 
Shamar Jean Charles, uh, you know, you didn't really get anything from him out of his rookie season, but that's fine. Let him develop a little bit. He's only a fifth round pick, or maybe he's a sixth round pick. I think he's the fifth. Um, so, but but those three positions, and then any uh, specialists like uh, um, uh, punters, long snappers, kickers. I, I don't obviously want to take an early swing at them, but if you're talking sixth or seventh round for a guy that you really believe is special. Makes a lot of sense. And the one thing we didn't talk about is uh, your your interior offensive line, center and guard. And that's partly because we, we I talked about it when we were looking at um, John Runyon and Jake Hansen. So you kind of know my feelings on that. I would love to take an early swing there um, because it strengthens the overall offensive line. I'd like to get better guards in there. I really would. I think that the run blocking last year was horrific and that you know that begins with your guards. The they they did a fine job pass blocking John Runyon and uh, Royce Newman, but they were definitely a little on the inconsistent side and their run blocking was just terrible. I would like to add a guard, but I kind of am putting offensive line all together in one kind of group. So if you take a tackle, I kind of want to take him in like the first round, maybe the second round. If you take a guard, I'm kind of okay with taking him in the second, third round. Center, I don't really care where you take him. Take him in any round. If you take a center, I'm going to kind of be excited about that and and looking forward to seeing how he can contribute. But we don't we have one guy who can start. That's kind of all you need as far as starters go. So we're just looking to add some depth. And uh, and if you're taking a really early guard, if you're taking a guy in the first round like Zion Johnson, I'm expecting him to come in, just uh, own that starting job outright from day one. Because, again, that guard is kind of more in that that second tier for me of if you take this guy, it's because you really believe in him as an athlete, as a player, and because of his position, since it's it's not as premium of a position, I'm expecting him to come in and make contributions right away. Whereas I'm not necessarily expecting, you know, your edge rusher that you take in round one to be a contributor in year one. I mean, Rashawn, he was the earliest draft pick we've taken in decades at pick 12. And he really did not break out until year three. He wasn't getting any kind of um, substantial snaps until year two. I think with edge rusher, with safety, um, maybe even with tackle, you're kind of okay with them taking a year or two to learn the position, you know. And and your your first round pick, especially an earlier early first round pick, would it be nice to get a starter right away? Yeah, but we're really just trying to invest in these freak players, these freak athletes, who in a few years are like the bedrock of your roster. And the face of your franchise. Talking about a Rashawn Gary. That kind of player. Kenny Clark. So we went uh, way over. We're almost at an hour and a half. Sorry about that. But I just had a lot of stuff I wanted to go over. This was a fun episode for me. Hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, check me out on Twitter. At JJ Leahy. Uh, Patreon.com slash JJ Leahy. If you want to help me uh, get some better sound equipment. And also actually had uh, my computer monitor died this week. <laughs> So that kind of stinks. And I was looking into the cost of replacing them and, you know, I could get like a cheapo one for like uh, 70, 80 bucks, whatever, but to do like a, a nice uh, big one that, that can 
um, do all, all my uh, video and, and picture and uh, big spreadsheets and all that on. It'd be nice to have something a little bit bigger and nicer. So as of right now, I have uh, an old TV plugged in right here that I'm <laughs> working off of uh, for this week. I got to find something else there. So if you want to help me uh, upgrade my office equipment, patreon.com slash JJ Leahy. Super appreciate that. That's going to do it for me for today. I will see you right back here next week. Bye-bye.